Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking. Today's sponsored show is with Cradlepoint. Now, this is an SD-WAN product with a difference. We don't often get to talk to SD-WAN companies who are focused on a particular uh, group of technologies, and Cradlepoint's a little bit different in that they're focusing mostly on LTE and the SD-WAN opportunity, and it's quite unique. And more importantly, they've been around for a number of years bringing their unique part to the industry. So if you've been following along in the community over many years, you'll know that they make a range of little boxes that connect to 5G, and quite often they've been used for out-of-band. And that technology was rapidly adaptable into an SD-WAN solution. And today we're joined by Mark Branica. He's the Vice President of Product Management at Cradlepoint, and he's going to be talking with us about how Cradlepoint can help you with your SD-WAN solution. So first of all, Mark, very much welcome to the show. Let's go straight into this. Tell me, make a better point about what Cradlepoint does and why I should be interested in it than I can. Sure. Well, Cradlepoint is focused on providing wireless networking on the WAN side, and the company's been around for about 15 years. And our goal is to be the best at providing enterprise customers and also customers in in a public safety, public sector mm-hmm. uh, with the best-in-class wireless WAN services they can get. Today, that's with LTE, and coming soon, that will be incorporating 5G. And the company has a platform for cloud management and provides not just basic networking capabilities, but really the insights and the remote management capabilities for taking full advantage of wireless WAN connectivity, where in many cases, customers are starting to cut the cord on the WAN Mm -hmm. side, not just on the LAN side. So really what you're trying to say here is that LTE, 4G, 3G, wireless, in this definition, wireless is that mobile networking capability. You can't just sort of like bang it in and as a replacement for an Ethernet interface. There's something special there. In many cases, it can be easier than getting a terrestrial WAN link put in. Mm. For the most part, wireless is ubiquitous. We, we use it every day. It's in your pocket. Mm. It's in your phone. And I'm sure we've all noticed how speeds of it continue to increase, reliability continues to increase. And now using that wireless link for a branch office or in many cases, in a, in a vehicle, a police car, a bus is possible today with the same kind of reliability. In many cases, customers think it's more reliable than a terrestrial link. And the fact that it's available on day one, you don't mm. have to wait for somebody to pull in a cable mm. to provision a, a new line, helps. Uh, it's a huge advantage of getting uh, sites, applications up and running immediately. Is it reasonably cost-effective these days, Mark? Because that was a thing back in the day. Yeah, you you put the 4G modem in your router or whatever that uh, connectivity solution was going to be for you, but you didn't want to use it if you didn't have to because uh, before too long, it seemed like you were were eating up the dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of customers have concerns about their data plans and the surprises that an overage charge might uh, incur. What customers see today, a lot of times if you've got multiple locations, you're getting a pooled data plan all these sites and their data usage is pulled together in an overall plan. And through our platform, NetCloud Manager, you're able to get visibility into that to make sure that you're maintaining under your data plan limitations. You can get alerts if you're starting to trend upward. And those data plans, the amount you're able to consume continues to increase where it's really suitable for the type of traffic you're seeing in a retail store, for example. Those data plans, they're going to increase. We've seen it in the consumer world where there's unlimited data plans. It might start to throttle you back if you're an extreme user. Mm-hmm. But as we get more towards 5G getting into 2020, you know the trend in the market is to have those data plans continue to increase to the point where they might be a limited data plans for, let's say, an office environment. So you qualified with with a use case there like, oh, for, for a retail store. In, in other words, lower bandwidth utilization, LTE is a great fit. And then as we look ahead with 5G on the horizon, it's going to become realistic to actually just 
5G could be your primary WAN link to the world from that office. Yeah, certainly that's uh, what people are getting excited about. But today with LTE, we're in the state where we now have gigabit LTE products, where the modems now support theoretical. In the real world, there's lots of variables that would impact your, your throughput, how you measure this. But we have gigabit class LTE modems today. And in a urban environment, where you're getting even close to now, let's say it's 100 megabits per second. Now with gigabit LT, maybe you're getting closer to 200 megabits per second. That's on par with a typical broadband connection. And you add in the fact that it's available immediately and someone just needs to plug it in and provision the SIM and you're on the network ready to work, um, combined with really reliability where, again, ubiquity of cellular coverage, for the most part, especially in urban environments, it, it's very reliable. And then you think about things like security. And the fact that you can work with a few carriers as opposed to hundreds across the nation, you've got stores or branch offices scattered across the country, not having to work with hundreds of ISPs trying to get broadband connections, but just maybe working with a couple carriers. Yeah, you don't have to pay the entry fee either. You don't have to pay the installation fees with 5G. You just turn up. In theory, you've got a bunch of SIMs. If you've got these group billing plans, which you know you negotiate directly with the telcos, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just deviate into that. Is that hard? Like if you rocked up onto British Telecom, Telstra, Verizon's doorstep and said, I want 100 SIMs to do data transfer. What's the negotiation like? Is it like pulling teeth, getting a contract and a purchase order cut? Is that hard or easy? I think it's people are, are used to custom this. Maybe they've been doing with MPLS and negotiating mm. terrestrial lines. Similar approach there with that, that you don't have to provision the lines and wait for somebody to turn on those circuits. Getting the SIMs is actually much easier. Mm. Um, negotiating with the carrier, you're going you're gonna to work with their representatives and take a look at what plans you might need. You're going to want to observe those over time. Mm-hmm. And you know this is part of getting visibility into the usage, understanding what locations might be having peaks of traffic and being prepared for that. And sometimes you might want to pull a SIM off of a particular device or location and uh, maybe change its data plan to be a heavier user versus mm-hmm. a light user. Yeah. Retail stores might want to prepare for the holiday seasons and know that there's going to be a spike of traffic. So they might up their plans accordingly. But getting that visibility into your traffic patterns would really give somebody the confidence that they understand that, that what the bill is going to be, they can plan for it, and they would avoid any surprises. Now, you said earlier NetCloud is a key to this. So your cloud SDN controller, which monitors all of your SD-WAN devices, is able to help you with that cost management capability. NetCloud is our platform. It's our management platform, mm. and it's not necessarily an SD-WAN controller. Uh, it's it's cloud management. It's their ability to remotely manage all the devices. Okay, right. Yep. Uh, and we look at the our our platform and all the capabilities we put into monitoring the wireless WAN link today with LTE and uh, coming for 5G is really the the benefit. All the expertise that we put into it's what makes us unique is that ability to take a look at that wireless WAN connection. And in many cases, looking at the quality of the link. And if you take a look at the people take a look at their cell phones and say, I've got three bars or five bars, that's great. Must be a fantastic connection, hmm. but you've got to take a look beyond that on the quality of the signal. Yeah, the back and the provider backbone can get congested exactly. too. So, exactly. Yeah. So we take a look at um, lots of characteristics, not just the signal strength, to determine the quality of the wireless link. If, if you're applying that mm. with traffic steering examples or, or scenarios, knowing more than just I've got a strong signal mm-hmm. is better when making those decisions about what traffic to put on the wireless link or put it on one carrier versus the other. Well, you just said something important there, Mark, that you have access to a whole lot of information about that wireless connection. You're not just throwing some kind of an IP level or, or layer four 
test across the wire to 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 pull in latency. You guys make the radios. Do, I mean, how, how you can look deeply into that cellular signal and understand at a more of a layer one, layer two, what's going on. Yeah, this has actually been an interesting part. As I've joined, I've been at Cradle Point for about two years, kind of a long career in networking uh, companies like Cisco, and really learning the insights and the the um, the nuances of cellular technology has been uh, an eye opener for me. And we don't we don't build the modems ourselves. There's there's modem module manufacturers. They take chipsets from various vendors. They build modem modules. Those get put onto the board. Let's say in a router, they go into a a module that would go in a slot in a router, for example. What we do is we actually write our own drivers. We want to get deeper control and visibility into the characteristics of that modem module. And we're taking roughly 15 years of experience of making cellular technology work in, a, in the business sense and applying that in the drivers we write. And that ability to put that intelligence in the driver and the software on the modem module that goes in the router and then yeah. combining that with our cloud management platform, that's really where we get a deeper level of optimization. Because those, those 5G modems are the same as what's in a smartphone or whatever. There's no point in making that when there's a billion smartphones out there. You take that data pump and then make them then repurpose it isn't it yeah the chipsets could be similar that what goes into a phone that goes into a module that might go in a router uh, some differences however are things like the antennas mm-hmm. in a in a smartphone you've got a pretty cramped space right you're cramming a lot of stuff in there <laughs> and uh, then you think and about and then you put your um, hand over top of the antenna cuz it's, yeah, exactly. it's around usually around usually right yeah. You literally, yeah, you're blocking the antennas with your hand in in many cases and they put multiple antennas on a phone when you put this into a, an office environment, for example, or in a, in, a, in a vehicle, you really want to optimize the RF aspects of that connection. And we've got a lot of folks that actually not just do the software, but the hardware where we design, say, a router from the ground up. We're putting in a cellular modem, in some cases too. A lot of our products will have multiple um, modems in them. So you can have um, active-active links on two carriers or two wireless connections at the same time. A lot of times you're also putting in Wi-Fi radios on top of that. So imagine having Wi-Fi and multiple cellular radios in a box, in a yeah. plastic chassis, a metal chassis, and trying to ensure that those radios and their RF uh, frequencies and propagation don't just step all over each other. That's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do. And to keep it into a footprint that's you know re- relatively manageable and put maybe goes in even a small office environment or in the, in the trunk of a car, that's a hard thing to do. So that's that combination of designing a best-in-class hardware platform with wireless WAN technology, and then the software and the platform to control it. Yeah, I know. I just want to extract a little thing. You talked about in the back of a car. I already seem to remember that cradle points have been installed on buoys offshore where you're actually monitoring the up and down of the tides and a range of other applications like that. So that's where you came from is that IoT that needed the 5G and that sort of stuff. So when you talk about putting... Uh, a cradle point device in the back of a car, you actually mean on trucks, cars, a whole variety of, of locations around the world and haven't been yeah. doing that for years. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the key point is the the network is stretching beyond just a physical office location, a carpeted office. It's stretching into logistics of trucks and fleets of vehicles. It's stretching into IoT applications where they they need connectivity and they're collecting data from sensors. LTE is really providing kind of the common denominator of how you can, we call it the elastic edge, stretching mm. that further and further away from, from the, the core of the network, but providing a quality connection that can be managed, controlled, secured, mm-hmm. and optimized. And you can think about 
all the use cases that are now coming into play. And IoT, you mentioned an example of a you know, sensor on a buoy in the ocean, is it? We call it IoT now before we just used to call it weird networking. Uh-huh. Weird stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, well, you know, we have lots, it's, the IoT you know, aspect brings in lots of fantastic use cases, but everyone seems to be different. And that's yeah. part of the challenge. One of our examples is the connected cow. And people would bring that up as a joke previously, but it's actually true now. You've got, you know, monitoring the health of uh, livestock and right. collecting that that data from the sensor. LTE is really providing the right kind of WAN technology to reach locations. This is out in, you know, a, a stockyard, a field. And hopefully they're, they're free-range cows, so they're even further away from, from a, a connection <laughs> to the internet. But using LTE, mm-hmm. which is providing that long-range, ubiquitous connectivity on, on public networks, and we're even getting now into private LTE, yep. and then providing that backhaul and to set that up. And this is probably one of the hardest things about IoT applications is the, getting the connectivity established with something that's reliable, affordable, repeatable. That's oftentimes the hardest part of any IoT project, yeah. and LT yeah. really makes that viable. Hmm. Mark, you, you mentioned the, the 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 quality of the LTE uh, links that you can get these days, and and mentioned some pretty far flung use cases, the connected cow, you know, yeah. out in a field, yeah. and so on. Um, what kind of speeds are we talking about? I, I realize that's only one aspect of quality, but some people are thinking about different use cases, wondering, well, just how fast, how much mm-hmm. throughput can I get out of an LTE connection these days? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned earlier, there's different categories of modems as the industry has progressed. And today, we're, we've, we've just released, released um, a, a gigabit LTE class modem. That's, that's a category 18 modem or CAT 18. That's where we are today. And uh, we're but, kind does of hitting that the, literally mean that under ideal circumstances you would get a gigabit of throughput, or is that a, a marketing gigabit? Well, it's the it's the theoreticals. The the chipset is capable of putting in a three, theoretical environment. This is where you put it into a lab, and theoretically you would be able to get up to 1.2 gigabits per second with any wireless technology. You put that into the real world. Lots of factors, but if you're taking this kind of best in class capability and you're getting, you know. 200 megabits per second, 300 megabits per second, reliably, and even in a moving vehicle, you're getting to the point where a wireless connection is providing, you know, maybe even better uh, throughput than I was getting with a broadband connection. And we actually see in some cases where customers are using LT as a backup and they might have a DSL line, the LT connection sometimes is faster and yeah. they've got to be <laughs> conscious of that. If they do yeah. have a, a data plan and they, they, they want to make sure that they're not putting too much traffic on the LT connection, uh, or they might need to change their plan, but that that ability where it is reliable, yes. t- it tends to work everywhere, right? I've heard of stores sending found that the LTE was substantially faster than the wired network, the the second wireless network, which I think was a DSL or a cable. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they send all of their uh, financial transactions, so all of the cash register transactions, credit card transactions, and so forth. That gets routed over the LTE to increase the customer satisfaction of the buying process and everything else goes over the the cable. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it a lot. Of, part of that also is the, is the reliability. How often have you looked at your phone and said, huh, my cell connection is no longer available with ATT, the towers down. That, that really doesn't happen. And that's on which country a, you're in. <laughs> it could be the case. If I'm in America, quite often. <laughs> yeah. If I'm in Europe, almost never. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm but just, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it continues yeah. to get better, right? Yeah. And um, people rely on cellular networks in their day-to-day lives much more and more every day, hmm. and that quality has really been established. And now we talk about the increased throughput, and we get to the point where someone's like, "Huh, it is 
maybe just as fast, if not faster than the broadband connection I had, I can use it immediately. Maybe the one concern I have is how much is this going to cost me? And that's where you get a pooled data plan and you can manage the consumption across, you know, maybe this is stores across the country or in a state. I must say a pooled data plan sounds like a lot less work than dealing with your typical telco for a bunch of landlines with a five-year contract. I mean... That is one of the biggest benefits that a lot of customers that are starting to cut the cord are seeing. And we come back to the example of a, a retail store has got distributed stores across the country. Hmm. Uh, if they're using SD-WAN and they're getting broadband connections from um, all kinds of different ISPs, that's a lot of contracts to negotiate and set up and to just to deal with different bills to pay uh, versus picking AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile and saying, we'll pick two of them. And I'll set up a contract for a pool data access across the country. And I got one contract to deal with. And just mm-hmm. the costs and savings, the management of that is a big appeal to, to cutting the cord. So I want to transition now to Cradle Point as an SD-WAN. We've been talking a lot about LTE as a technology, LTE as a viable solution for bandwidth, and how LTE sort of changes the shape. But Cradle Point is also an SD-WAN company enough, right? So as well. So you've got your devices. You've obviously got these best-in-class LTE connectivity in place with the with the SIMs and all the benefits of that. But what about Cradle Point as a primary SD-WAN supplier? Do, do you do that? And, and what's unique about it? Yeah, when it comes to SD-WAN, we have maybe two, two different ways that CradlePoint could, could help a, a customer. One is um, we have LT routers. They're broadband routers. They have uh, LT built into them. And the customer has the option of um, using LTE as a primary or a failover capability. I think that's how most customers start is with LTE as a failover capability. Probably just as important as LTE as a day one connection. And we talked a little bit earlier about how LTE is pretty much available everywhere. And that benefit of just plugging it in and assuming you've got the SIM provision and put the SIM in the modem slot, uh, you can be connected immediately on day one. And maybe you're waiting for the broadband connection to arrive in the next week. Sometimes it takes, sometimes it takes several weeks, right? So, so, so as in day one, but, but maybe not day two, you just, but it gets you up and running while you're waiting for whatever your intended primary connection to come in to be provisioned. Yeah. That's, I think a very common use case is day one connectivity with LTE. Broadband maybe gets pulled in uh, in the next week or so, or however long that takes. And then LTE could tr- transition as a backup. But we have really found that customers that take that, that method, they find that the LTE connection works pretty good. And maybe as new sites roll out in the future, they're thinking, do I even bother with the broadband connection? If I've got visibility and good control into the LTE, and it tends to be fast enough and reliable enough, maybe I'll just stick with LTE if I want that failover capability, I can use a second LT modem, and therefore I've got dual WAN links. They just happen to be wireless. So in this SD-WAN scenario where I, I am presumably going to end up with two circuits of some kind, do I have are those active-active in the CradlePoint SD-WAN scenario? Yeah. So if we get back and take a look at CradlePoint as the as the broadband router with dual, dual WAN links, let's say one's broadband and one's LTE, um, they could both be active-active. And when it comes to uh, LTE, where we see CradlePoint maybe tr- treating SD-WAN a little bit differently is, is using that, that LT connection with a little bit more care, a little bit more visibility and control. And we come back to that notion of, I, I've got a, a data plan and I want to make sure that I'm not flooding this link with synthetic traffic and management traffic that could shoot a part of the data plan. So we're very careful about how we measure the link quality 
and ongoing, uh, looking at the, uh, the traffic steering rules that we might apply to that. I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, maybe putting only cert certain type of traffic over the LT link. Maybe it's the business critical applications, the, uh, the cash register or the financial applications might want to use the LT link all the time. Other applications, maybe it's guest Wi-Fi that can go over the broadband link. So we can apply, we can apply the same kind of traffic steering rules, but when we measure the LTE link, um, I'll come back to just try to be careful about not flooding that with too much synthetic traffic to measure the link quality. We're going to take a look at the, um, we'll take a look at some of those attributes of latency and packet loss, et cetera, but also just looking at the link quality and understanding when is that link available and should I send traffic over it or yes or no. So you do have the ability to distinguish specific applications and make and do deterministic routing on a, on a flow or an application basis. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we do deep packet inspection and we can um, define rules based on application type as to what um, which WAN link you'd want to send it over. And uh, again, it can be active active or in some cases it's it's a failover. And if I did failover from a broadband link to the LT link. Again, here maybe I want to be a little bit more careful about what applications can take advantage of it. It's not a complete cutover for all traffic, but again, maybe it's the business critical applications that would use that LTE link until the broadband link uh, was uh, came back online or its its link quality improved enough that I want to steer traffic back over the broadband connection. Do you have a lot of customers doing this, exercising this option, or do they use you more as, a, I guess, a complementary solution <laughs> where you're the path, you're providing that LTE link that their whatever other SD-WAN solution they might have invested in uh, could yeah. use. Yeah, that's, an, that's another um, scenario, the second scenario where customers might take advantage of CradlePoint. They've already got a primary router in place, or they've already invested in an SD-WAN solution, and they want to add LTE. Um, they can use CradlePoint. We can uh, add uh, through Ethernet an external LTE adapter. This is the same modem technology, but maybe it's put into a, a smaller footprint uh, adapter device external to the router. It's connected over Ethernet. And in some cases, uh, some customers actually choose to have a secondary router. They use a small form factor cradle point LT router, and they're not only getting LT failover, but router failover. And in that sense, if the primary router, for whatever reason, went down, uh, depending on how they configure this in the wiring closet, they can actually get router failover. And they're using the cradle point LT link, and if needed, some of the routing capabilities until that primary router came back online. But that's a great way that customers are, are starting to take advantage. If they've already got an architecture solution in place and they want to add LT, by adding an external CradlePoint LT adapter, they're getting all that best-in-class modem technology and cloud management of that, but are able to leverage the, the SD-WAN solution they already have in place. Uh, okay, so one, one scenario you mentioned there that caught my attention I hadn't thought of was Again, with CradlePoint as a full SD-WAN router or, or a router that's standalone, you could use, I assume it's a VRRP, something like that. Exactly. So you just, uh, okay. Yeah, so you yeah. And, and that's a, you know, for the cost of an LT adapter or a, maybe a small footprint um, LT router, getting that added failover benefit is, is something that a lot of customers are taking advantage of. And it also, I think uh, another advantage of where they, they take a uh, look at CradlePoint is out-of-band management. And this is where they're using that LT link uh, not just for day one connectivity, but for a way to always reach that device. And whether it's a cradle point router and devices behind it, or it's the primary router that could be another SD-WAN vendor solution, that out-of-band management is a lifeline to a IT administrator that's got these remote locations. Uh, with LTE, you've always got a secure connection back into that device. And even if you're going to console into it, 
and that device is somehow, that primary router is cut off from the rest of the world, the internet connection's down on it. With, with out-of-band management, you can still reach it and maybe use, uh, reconfigure it bring, it, bring it back online if someone's paid themselves in a corner. And that's another big advantage of that LT connection. Oh, so in that scenario, out-of-band management, I'm doing what? Hitting the NetCloud manager and then jumping from that to you know, across the LTE into the cradle point box, and then then I can hit that router or whatever it is? That's correct. The LTE um, solution from cradle point, whether it's the, the LTE adapter or the router, has a secure connection into our NetCloud manager platform. And if I need to reach a device behind it, I'm using out-of-band management. And I'm able to, um, through our secure cloud platform, effectively reach that device over the LT link, totally secure. And uh, it gives you, again, that uh, critical kind of a umbilical cord back into that remote location. And we're talking about somebody who's got maybe hundreds of locations across the country with no IT staff there. Having that lifeline is just so, so beneficial. And I, I, t- I take a look back at you know, my, my career in networking, and I think f- looking forward, not having an LT connection on a key networking device that's that's deployed remotely almost seems crazy now because you get that immediate secure connectivity on day one and you've always got it uh, from a failover perspective to reconfigure something if something gets disconnected from the rest of the network. All right, so we've talked about three scenarios here. I can use CradlePoint full-on uh, primary SD-WAN if I want to do that with uh, you know active-active links, application steering, uh, some policy management, I'm assuming like ZTP to get new devices online, this kind of thing. Yeah. When it comes to uh, zero touch provisioning, that's another big advantage here. And that comes back to that uh, day one capability. You're deploying this at remote locations. And we see a lot of customers that they might just get a professional service person, field service person, do the installation. And with a cradle point router or LT adapter, um, it could be staged ahead of time. And somebody might want to ship it out. It's already pre-configured. Someone just needs to power it on and it'll connect and call home. Or uh, we're simply putting in an active SIM in it. And from CradlePoint's perspective, the way we uh, package our, uh, what we call our service, it's the inclusion of that hardware. It's the subscription and on our platform, NetCloud platform, all the warranty and support. But you're able to, um, we know who's got the CradlePoint devices and we actually put them in their account so that they're right. in, in a state uh, yeah. of readiness. And when it's deployed, it's already in your account. You can put it into a, a group you've defined. And when it calls home, it'll then pull down its configuration and it's ready to go. So it's pretty much a zero touch provisioning option. Yeah, I, I think uh, you look at the definition of zero touch and there's always some touch involved somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, tr- <laughs> right. we try to reduce those touches as much as possible. Um, and I think this is really one of the beauties of it with that zero day you know, that day one connectivity, you know, you can actually ship a cradle point router out to a location and someone just needs to power it on. They don't need to go in the wiring closet and confirm that it's got an IP address from the broadband modem that's there. They can just simply power it on. It's going to call home and it'll be registered to NetCloud Manager. And that, that network administrator, you know, this becomes a game changer for them. They're immediately have eyes and ears on that location and can do whatever configuration they need to do. So I've got CradlePoint as my primary SD-WAN, zero-touch provisioning supported here in that and, and whatever scenario. Uh, the second one we talked about was complementary SD-WAN. That is, I've got, I've invested in SD-WAN from whoever, and CradlePoint can be uh, a device that works with that SD-WAN solution to give me 
LTE style connectivity as another, mm-hmm. basically another WAN link that that existing SD-WAN solution of investing can use. And then out of band management is the other big scenario that we talked through there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of customers, big or small, but more so in the, in the bigger sense, they might have their own management platform that they're using and uh, they don't want too many management consoles to have to deal with. Uh, with our NetCloud platform, it's all driven by APIs. And they can take advantage of all the data from that platform, configuration, monitoring, and consume that through our APIs. And they could feed that into whatever management platform that they've got. You know, bigger, bigger carriers, uh, cable operators that might use CradlePoint for LT connectivity, they consume our NetCloud platform all through the APIs. And it feeds into their, their own network management platform. So we get some flexibility in how somebody wants to take advantage of that cloud management, whether through NetCloud Manager, that's our that's our UI, that's our pane of glass, or through our APIs to whatever platform that, that they might be using. I love the way he didn't call it a single pane of glass. That was that. I tried man. to avoid that. You know, <laughs> that, that is. I, I, I cringe when I say that myself, and I, I was trying to avoid that one. I just appreciate our pane of glass, which is great. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I thought there's there's somebody rooted in reality. And that's the thing. <laughs> but the point here is that I can still script. APIs, if I want to do some handcrafted artisanal network automation, I can do that on top of your NetCloud off- offering absolutely. and stitch yeah, together my other, you know, my, my other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, Mark, I have a qualifying question about okay. exactly that. So, okay, you've got the API that's there. Is that API available to any customer or is it kind of hidden behind secret doors? And if I'm a very special customer, I can have access to the API and the documentation. No, it's it's available to all customers. We, we publish uh, all the information on how to take advantage of our API and uh, we encourage customers to use it. Um, and we, when we design features in, in our own NetCloud Manager, our own UI, it's using the same APIs. And so everything is API driven. So yeah, we encourage customers to take advantage of it. You, you got to have the right, um, you know, time and, and skill set. But uh, for any network administrator or somebody who's running a, a large operation, uh, anytime you can provide connectivity, kind of cloud to cloud connectivity of of applications or different services, that's a huge advantage in time savings, and it allows them to really customize it to whatever workflows that suits them best. So we've talked basically about the two points of the, the LT is a WAN technology and CradlePoint is an SD-WAN provider. Let's talk about what actual customers are doing because I like hearing what customers are doing because it helps me visualize um, deployed solutions and start thinking about different ways I can do this. So you've got a bunch of customer stories like vendors love to collect um, customer stories like, uh, you know, uh, Different people collect uh, various trinkets and treasures, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> badges so, of honor, yes. Badges. You you can call it that. I could call it okay. like a, a bracelet with little trinkets okay. on it. But, you know, but uh, so why don't we start looking at what you've done? The first, I guess the first place to start is um, you've got here life storage and how they're using it for branch continuity. Yeah, this is an example. It probably falls into the, a retail category, but these are you know we all we've all seen those storage facilities where people put their junk you know when they run out of space in their homes mm-hmm. but these are usually you know there there there's no IT staff on there um these are physically secure locations with uh a lot of security needs on things like video surveillance so they might have a a staff person there but their job is to check people in and check people out not worry about the network and uh getting something that it can be ubiquitous across the country uh and and this comes back to not having to negotiate something that's different in California versus New York versus Texas, using LTE to provide connectivity for the applications that are needed at that uh, storage uh, facility. Maybe that's um, uh, uh, monitoring of some sensors there. It's it's connectivity, internet co- connectivity for the 
person that's on staff there, POS applications. Um, sometimes they'll even connect something like a POTS line. And mm. you could do that over LTE. And you're getting enough bandwidth. It's got enough reliability. You're not using that much traffic. And you could put uh, tel telephone um, type of applications onto that wireless WAN link. And mm. this gives them something that, again, it, it can be turned up immediately. That site, as soon as they open it up for business, they need internet connectivity for these applications. LTEs can be available immediately. And for them, a lot of times the LT connection is sufficient, or maybe they'll add a broadband connection um, over time. Yeah, I guess uh, one of the interesting things about the rise of smartphones is that you don't have to give internet browsing to the people who work on site. They can use their own phones to access personal email and personal website stuff, which changes the bandwidth profile because the only thing that's traveling across the corporate WAN is business apps. And if yeah. something like a storage business has only basically got accounting and and service management, and then it'd be done. Yeah, you're you're not there to surf the web on the provided computer. Use your use your own phone for that. Yeah, um, that's right. And yeah, yeah the, the, the traffic. Yeah, it's it's pretty light traffic, and that's where having a, a you know a, a data plan is lots of plans you can choose from, but it's going to be yeah. really really sufficient for that type of traffic. And then, as you say, just a one or two contracts with uh, mobile networking providers simplifies the whole business model. A lot of simplification for the county department, absolutely. What about Brooks Brothers? Yeah, um, this is another example of a retail environment. And um, this is probably one of our, you know, I'd say top verticals. And just in the SD-WAN space, I think retail was one of the first verticals to really adopt SD-WAN technology. And they're doing the same thing here with wireless WAN and incorporating that into that SD-WAN motion. Um, a lot of things we talked about already. Day one connectivity. Um, you're putting these types of stores in shopping malls where, you know, who, lo who knows how long it would take to get that broadband connection provisioned. And this is that notion of uh, connecting with LT today and then maybe broadband's added in the future. Uh, this gets also back to it's, it's light traffic. It's, um, it's POS applications. It's the business critical applications. And you can certainly tune the connection if it's a cradle point router or it's someone else's SD-WAN solution for, as the primary router. Uh, maybe putting uh, guest Wi-Fi uh, on the broadband connection, but only putting those mission-critical applications onto the LT connection when needed. We we call that the, uh, the another another type of retail environment. You're starting to see this more and more pop-up stores. Yeah, and this is where they. I've I've talked to a few people about this. Is where they go into it. They don't know if they want to be in a shopping center or yeah. not, or whether to sign up for a three-year or five-year you know lease on a place, and because the malls are, are often emptying out as our buying patterns change, they can say, well, give us two months and go in and set up a shop for two months. Well, you don't yeah. want to go to all the trouble of putting in lease lines or anything. Yeah, we call that a, a pop-up environment or pop-up store or branch. And um, they need to, there's not a ton of planning. They're trying to avoid a lot of logistics. And it's maybe a test or maybe it's seasonal. And mm. it's, they're setting up something for Christmas or yep. the holidays or Halloween is another good example of that. Uh, it's up only up for a month, and a lot of these types of customers take advantage of a cradle point LT router, and it's giving them both wireless WAN connectivity. It's got an integrated access point, so for Wi-Fi, wireless connectivity, you're not going to wire a bunch of stuff, and that notion of an instant pop-up network that's secure, that's remotely. Now that, that would we that would be exactly what Sacramento County Elections Office is doing. I assume that they the elections office is only set up once every. Four years, five years, whatever it is. Great example of a pop-up. They only need yeah. it once every five years or maybe for special elections. Mm. And uh, this is an interesting 
you know, in the U.S., obviously, uh, election security is a huge topic as we get more towards the president, presidential election of, of 2020. Mm-hmm. But they need connectivity. They're all the counties around the country have got to provide more efficient voting options for their constituents and giving them uh, a lot of them moving towards voting machines. They've got to have internet connectivity, but it's got to be done securely. And they don't own the facilities necessarily to put in these voting booths, these voting machines. So that's the epitome of a pop-up network. And a lot of them leverage uh, CradlePoint and LT connectivity for that. You've got a small footprint. So taking advantage of really one box providing you WAN connectivity, wireless LAN connectivity, um, security aspects of the firewall and the IPS, IDS system. That's a great example of a, of a pop-up network that's used uh, maybe even less than a yearly basis. Moving more towards IoT or um, what I call creative uses, <laughs> data, yeah. you know, um, quantified ag. Now that sounds like an agricultural deployment. Yeah, this is the one we mentioned a little bit earlier on the connected cow. And uh, IoT presents lots of unique scenarios and how people are taking advantage of wireless WAN uh, connectivity. And this is the, this is the example of collecting um, uh, sensor data, uh, data from sensors, and in this case, it's the cow. It's, they've got tags, and it's tracking uh, you know, uh, where their location is. Maybe it's tracking temperature, things like that. And doing that over a, a expanse of a large field or um, grazing facility, a, a feeding lot, et cetera, uh, hard to keep track of that. It's hard to provide connectivity, build that network yourself. Uh, in many cases, they're within the reach of um, a public LT network. So the, ne- the wireless network's there, um, but you got to collect the sensor data and have the right. ability to to co- connect that and plopping Do, in a, are you using the wi-fi to to lte capability here so the the the, the cradle point sd-wan edge includes a wireless interface which i can actually use as a local area network yeah you got an integrated access point so that's one way that you might connect uh, uh, uh sensor data there's a lot of especially in the industrial iot world a lot of legacy protocols and sometimes you've got something that sits in between that's doing some protocol uh, translation uh, connected over serial links. Yeah. But you know, I think coming back to that notion, the hardest part of a lot of these IoT applications is just the connectivity securely over the internet so that you can manage it remotely and getting that data sensor. And this is again over um, on the LAN side, it could be, it could be Wi-Fi. Uh, sometimes it's connected over Bluetooth, but then you're going to aggregate that information. We call that a, a, a gateway. And instead of having every putting an LT module, that's another way to do it, an LT yeah. module as close as possible to every sensor, that can be pretty um, costly to do that. Also, that's that's a lot of sensor, that's a lot of LT modules to deploy, but an LT router can act as a gateway. Well, it always depends on your application, I guess, at the end of the day. You know, if your application's worth a lot of money, then spending money is never usually a problem. Yeah, yeah. Guys, you, yeah. this is all very cool, but you're missing the headline. The cows are on our <laughs> network. It's happened. They're going to take over. <laughs> Methane-powered networks. Is that what you're the hinting at? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it is extraordinary, yeah. in, in all seriousness, what we can put on the network now. My word, you know, now we're optimizing what we're doing with with animals that we are using to to feed us and, and support our, uh, our our world. That is extraordinary to be able to pull that off. If it's not uh, done correctly, that's a case where it could be utter chaos with that type of application. Oh, did you just make a dad joke pun? You did. <laughs> I heard that. Utter chaos. Oh, come on. 
I had to throw one of them in there. (laughs) (laughs) So another one of the customers you've listed here that I did want to touch on was Nevada Highway Patrol. Now, this is a – presumably the words Highway Patrol reminds me of chips in the 1980s, but I'm presuming that this is police cars, so mobile car type application. That's exactly right. Chips, Chips is in California. That's the California Highway Patrol. This is the Nevada Highway Patrol, but that's a – that's you, you, the visual is exactly right, and uh, you know this is where mobile networking and and wireless connectivity it's a must. Obviously, you don't have wires to connect these vehicles, and you've got more and more applications. They've got obviously a a mobile computer terminal in the car that's pulling yeah. up in, information. That's all going to be done secure. They're looking up um, records of things. Uh, you've got video surveillance cameras in the car itself, and you're now you're getting uh, body cams that you're creating roughly a hotspot around the vehicle itself. So you've got more and more demands and every one of those devices to have that have its own WAN connection would, again, might be cumbersome and and costly, but that mobile router in the vehicle is providing um, secure, uh, very reliable, and every day more so high throughput connectivity to all those applications in the vehicle. And this is a little bit different in the branch environment where it makes that much more challenging from a hardware perspective, you got to ruggedize this. This yeah. is in the back of a, of a vehicle uh, bouncing around. Uh, you've got different um, industrial ratings you've got to meet. And power then, supply um, variations, because once it's in a car, it's running off the internal power. You can't use yep. a lot of power. And you, I like the idea of the hotspot idea. So this is like a mobile hotspot using 5G as a backhaul and Wi-Fi. And that means that as you add devices to the car, they just have to connect to the Wi-Fi. But you've got a security or, or issues around making sure the Wi-Fi is safe, I imagine. Yeah, you've got to do all that correctly. And the, today, the, the WAN connectivity is it's 4G. Uh, we'll get into 5G into 2020 uh, and, and beyond that. But it's, it's LTE connectivity. And that um, hotspot is, play, is providing um, connectivity. And sometimes it's wired connections. Another thing they'll do is connect the uh, vehicle bus. And that's all the diagnostics on the engine information. Uh, it's GPS information that's feeding maybe different fleet management applications. That's all data, and this is almost an example of an IoT uh, uh, scenario. That data is being pulled in, and put into the router, and then and then fed into um, the WAN link. And you've got um, both internet connectivity, but also the telematics that yeah. are now being made available um, to that network administrator for those types of applications. In the mobile segment, we're also seeing more and more of uh, fleet management coming into play, um, and this is where I've, I've got. Lots of vehicles, the logistics. Uh, yep. Think about yep. um, uh, logistics trucks do, doing deliveries. You know, another another topic I wanted to bring up, and it comes into play here, where you talk about uh, logistics facilities, mm-hmm. is the use of private LTE. And there's a lot happening in the industry right now, where you've got the option to actually build your own LTE network, and. Right. Uh, Perhaps leverage the public LT network today for various now, applications. Now, just for people listening, that doesn't mean going out and putting up your own LTE towers. It means buying a slice from your network provider, from a mobile provider, and then having your own private, roughly or equivalent to an, an MPLS verf over the mobile backbone. Uh, a little bit different than that. There's maybe yeah. two things to point out there. One is um, you can get, it's called an APN. That's that's getting a um, almost like a wireless MPLS link. It's a, it's a private uh, you get your SIM and you get a private uh, APN, and that's almost like a wireless extension back into the core carrier network. It helps obfuscate it from uh, the public LT network. That's one way that a lot of public sector customers will do that for added layer of security. 
private LTE is a little bit different. And in essence, you are building your own, not cell towers, but you're building what they call small cells. And this is using spectrum that's now become available. Um, CBRS is uh, the oh, allocation right. of spectrum, the band 48 and the, and the various bands that LTE uses is what CBRS uses. And this is a swath of spectrum that's being made available for commercial entities to take advantage of. It's using the same LTE technology, but it's being broadcast from a small cell. And the example would be an airport or a logistics facility, a factory that has hmm. a huge footprint. Trying to connect things over Wi-Fi, that's a lot of access points. It's a pretty big network to try to manage. It would be great if I could use LT for that because I'm already getting an LT signal, but then I'm paying data plans and I've got applications that are going to chew up a lot of data. We now have the option to build a private LT network right. and using cradle point routers that we've got today that support private LT, the various ba the bands. The reason that that works is because when you're driving LT frequencies and you've got a license to drive them, there's a few tricks in there, you're actually able to send a signal, much stronger signal. So a Wi-Fi is maximum signal strength is 100 milliwatts from memory, whereas an LTE single can be up to 5 watts. Yeah, you've got, um, I think, that the propagation that advantages you get over yeah. the uh, frequencies using LTE, big advantages on reach. And you look at the increases in throughput that we're getting. And um, to, to, if this was a shipyard or, yeah. um, again, an airport yeah. perimeter. You can use much to... lower frequencies, which penetrate a lot further as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that you've, yeah. got spec, you've got, in an LTE, I think you've even got spectrum mm -hmm. down in the six, 700, 800 megahertz range. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot happening in the industry right now and a lot of excitement of using private LTE and uh, these applications where Wi-Fi was going to be just too challenging, maybe cost prohibitive. I, I needed greater range. And uh, private LT is going to drive a lot of these IoT type of applications. We've got a lot of customers taking with this rail yards, um, logistics facilities, airports, et cetera. This is going to open a lot of doors on a lot of innovation on how they're going to connect things. Uh, now that they can leverage uh, LT technology, but um, do it in a private sense. And then they're using internet backhaul, right? It's just like building a Wi-Fi network but all the benefits of longer reach that LTE yeah. provides. Yeah, yeah. And I think people don't necessarily understand the difference. And building your own LTE is not a, a, an insignificant task. But mm -hmm. if you're a site that has the money and the time and the and it, it, you need to find a, a partner who knows how to build a private LTE network and do the paperwork with the local uh, authorities. So you need to go to the yeah. government and get a permit to run this. And that's something that you won't know, but you can find companies who can do that work for you if you think that's something that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. there's Very... system integrators that mm. would help you uh, design, build. And the carriers, the carriers also will offer this as a service. And okay. uh, yep. if you want to go to a carrier, they'll build a private LT network for you. It's just starting to come online. There's some announcements taking place this month mm -hmm. on freeing up that spectrum for, for, for going beyond proof of concept to first commercial deployments. Okay. But it's happening as we speak. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to cut it short. I've had a hell of a time here, Mr. Banks, learning a bit more about LTE. Now, I've talked a lot about LTE in the context of SD-WAN, but I've never quite unpacked it to this depth. What's your thoughts? Uh, very, very interesting conversation. And um, and that, that closing bit about uh, pr the emergence of private LTE networks is very interesting. we got to dive into that and some other shows and find Wi-Fi out more. is not the answer for every problem. Is that what you're saying? Mm. <laughs> well, on that note, that is yet another show to talk about. Yeah, five G and what that's going to bring versus Wi Fi. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, on that note, uh, Mark, why don't you tell the audience where people can find out more about uh, about Cradle Point? 
Yeah, I think the uh, best place to start would be creditpoint.com and slash packet pushers. That um, would get some information that we talked about here. It's probably the best starting point. Uh, and we've got obviously the CreditPoint website, lots of detailed information there, the case studies, and learning more about NetCloud Manager and our platform. And it, to me, it's um, it's excited to be able to talk to you guys about what's what's available today, but maybe even more so about what's coming. We mm. touched on private LTE. Hope to come back and talk about how 5G is going to come into play here. And as we work with customers, we use the term pathway to 5G. And there's a lot of hype around 5G, um, lots of promise that's coming. And we're absolutely working every day on getting ready to roll out 5G capabilities. But this concept of pathway to 5G, we tell customers, you don't have to wait for it to take advantage mm. of the wireless WAN benefits that we talked about. We're at the point where we've got gigabit LTE modems. 5G is going to make that you know, even better. But all the benefits of zero-day connectivity, day one connectivity, that remote management capability, that out-of-band management, that's all that's really can be leveraged want. for 5G as well. You don't have to wait for it. In many cases, you're going to mix LTE and 5G for the you know the for for many many years to come. So yeah, we're the thing about to be 5G that I'm this. telling the thing I'm telling people about 5G is that the first version of 5G will be a cut down, and there will be these sub subsequent standards that are released. And I think so so far they're talking about uh, I think it's like release 22 so far, and they're talking up to release 30. And these are major enhancements on the basic 5G signaling. So that, as you say, it is a pathway. The first mm -hmm. version of 5G that you get involved with won't be the final version of 5G in five or 10 years' time. So it is a pathway. I certainly agree with it. And on that note, yeah. thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks to Cradlepoint for sponsoring us today. And a reminder that if you head on over to cradlepoint.com slash packetpushers, you'll find a landing page there where you can sign up to get a salesperson to come out and tell you the glorious wonders of the Cradlepoint technology and convince you that it's the best thing since sliced cheese and you can find out much more about packet pushes on our podcast network for it professionals visit us on packetpushes.net and check out our subscribe pages for all of the different podcasts and as always never forget that too much networking would never be enough <laughs>